cannot catch a virus. Well, back at it again, boys. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Let your mind peel away the mysteries of the world. That's right. I'm talking deep. Frazzle drift deep. This is Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies Podcast. Oh, by the way, my balls is hot. 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 Hey, Truth Hooligans out there, big country. Wanted to tell you about our good friends at Cushy Dreams. Cushy Dreams, that's right. They're offering a full lineup of premium smokable CBD. They specialize in extraordinary CBD-rich hemp flower, also known as bud, in cans and pre-rolled CBD joints. That's right. If you're tired of vapes, if you're tired of gummies, smoke your CBD, baby. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about smoking meth, okay? It's bad for you. Don't do that. You want to smoke something that's good for you, head on over to Cushy Dreams and smoke your CBD. First of all, it tastes great. It's exactly like high-quality weed. Favorite blends, they've got them all. Whether it be energy, hustle, relax, just to name a few, they've got whatever it is that you're looking for. 2020 has been wild, right? Get you something to lay down the anxious times. You know what I'm saying? Head on over to Cushy Dreams. They got what you're looking for. It's cannabis that ships directly to your door and it's legal in all 50 states. Join all the men and women over the world who are done with the gummies and the vapes and they want to smoke their CBD. It's 100% hand trimmed, never machine trimmed, independent lab tests show compliance and purity are posted on their website so you know that what you're getting is true and accurate. Each batch is slow cured for two to four weeks to guarantee maximum freshness and preserve the flavor and cannabinoids. Guess where it's grown? That's right. US of A, baby. Sorry, not this time. China. Okay. So go on over to Cushy Dreams and get your CBD premium premium pre-rolled joints or in a can at three and a half grams and use the special promo code WBC for 20% off your first order. That's right. 20% off your first order with special promo code WBC. That's whiskey, beer, and conspiracies. WBC is your promo code. Head on over to Cushy Dreams, K-U-S-H-Y Dreams.com. Get you some smokable premium CBD. Great stocking stuffer before the holidays. And that would be an amazing gift to a loved one. These guys are hooligans, so support the hooligans. We'll talk to you next time. Hello and welcome to another episode of Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies podcast. I am one of your hosts, Big Country, and normally I say there's your other two favorite hosts on the other side of the microphones, but unfortunately, Chris and Boya had some unforeseen circumstances today. They had to get uh, called into work, so nevertheless... um, I'm going to be riding solo today for our guest that we have for you, very special guest. But before I introduce her, I want to remind you guys that we do have a live GoFundMe right now. We are about a quarter of the way where we want to be with obtaining 
top of the line microphones for the show. So thank you to everybody who's donated donated thus far and who plan on donating. We do appreciate that. Also, our website is live and completely updated. It looks amazing. My brother did such an amazing job with that. Our store is live. A great way to support the show is you can go grab some t-shirts. All of them are designed by us and made in America. So that is a awesome way that you can start a crazy conversation. You might not like the result. Anywho, getting to our guest today, we have uh, an amazing person I'm so excited to get into and talk to. Uh, Joining us from all the way across the pond, we have Dr. Mary Helen Hensley. Hopefully I said all those ages correctly. You said them all right. We say H over here, but okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you off. <laughs> awesome. Doctor um, joins us all the way from Ireland. And thank you so much for b- making some time and being on the show. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit later, but not too crazy over there, right? It's seven, six? Yeah, seven o'clock. Yeah, not seven too o'clock. bad at all. Yep. So um, before I give you the, the, the mic here and let you introduce yourself and we kind of go from there. Uh, what 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 brought you to Ireland? Because I, I was reading your bio here, and I'm, I'll pull up your website where um, everybody watching this video can see it. You can't see it, but um, you not originally from Ireland. No, I am from Martinsville, Virginia. Oh wow! And, okay, uh, yeah, and I have been in Ireland for almost twenty two years now. Yeah, wow. so everybody thinks I came over, you know. Maybe got married, did whatever. No, I came over chasing ancient symbols. And um, Whoa. That, that's how I ended up getting here. And I fell in love with this place. I knew it was the next step on my on my own journey, on my own path. And um, it was very clear. And I've been here ever since. That is incredible. Now, uh, my wife and I actually had the opportunity to visit Ireland in 2019. We went in August. It was a, a, a belated honeymoon that we had did. We were married in 18 and then we kind of took our time and we wanted to save up some money. So I said, honey, we're going to go to Ireland and do it right. Do whatever we want. Have a lot of fun. Uh, awesome. um, yeah, we went to Dublin and man, is that a beautiful, beautiful country. Absolutely fabulous. gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. We took a um, a drive from there up to Cork. Uh, one of the days that we were out there, and it was just oh my goodness, beautiful. It's funny too because I told her I said, "Hey, I'd like to see Ireland before the world ends," and then 2020 happened. So I was like, "Oh, we just made it. We just made the <laughs> the trolley stop there." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, see, you have that perspective. I wanted to come here and raise my children here so that they would have the memory of what Ireland looked like. Uh, so when they incarnate in the future mm-hmm. and, you know, Ireland is, has passed its expiry date, um, much like many of our our ancient civilizations, I wanted them to have an imprint of this place before this place was no longer here. Wow. So our, our idea of the end of the world is probably a little different because. Um, yeah. Yeah. Such yeah. A, it's just so unique. What a unique perspective to have. Yeah. Well, I wanted that, you know, the same way that so many people across the globe have really lucid conscious memories of an Atlantean civilization or different civilizations um, that we can no longer see, like off the west coast of Ireland, you know, up until the 16th century, there was a an island called High Brazil um, that is no longer there. That people, I mean, it was on maps, it was everywhere, it was it was populated, and um, 
it's no longer part, you know, it was part of that land bridge from continental Atlantis. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're like, oh my God, don't you, oh, there's the whack job talking about Atlantis. <laughs> I'm like, guys, come on. You know, like, you know, it's, it's quite, quite easy to see. And we've got so many footprints left across, across the world um, from all of these different ancient peoples who were here. And so we all have some kind of collective conscious memory of that and, and, you know, my, through my knowledge of what it means to incarnate and the choices that we make to come back here, um, I have a lot, especially after knowing how this place works, after having, you know, had that death experience here and knowing how Earth works. I wanted to like we spend an awful lot of time in Los Angeles. So you want to know people are like, tell me what's happening in the future. Follow me on a map and see where I'm going. And now you're in on my secret. So we spent a lot of time on the West Coast. We spent a lot of time. We split our time between here and um, and L.A. And there's a reason for that. Wow, that's so. So before we get too in depth, well, two things. Um, one, you having having you come on the show and and just mention Atlantis. Atlantis is probably the least weirdest thing that we could ever say on the show. So anybody listening to this isn't like she's at Atlantis. This is crazy. Um, <laughs> so so g- give us your background and uh, how did you get to where you are now and. Um, the studies that you've done in the last say 15, 20 years. Okay. Well, you know, I'll go back to the womb, (laughs) which is when my mother was pregnant with me, she was in her forties. Um, I was the, the fourth child to come along and, um, you know, there's like 18 years between my, my oldest sibling and I. And so I was, we, I was a surprise. And, um, my father was a Southern Baptist minister. He was also a big American football player, big football coach and um, really neat guy. You know, he wasn't your kind of stock standard Southern Baptist Bible belt, holy roller type. It was um, everything related to sports. And so his congregations were always full and people were always interested because he could talk about what happened on, on the football field Friday night and (laughs) somehow bring, somehow bring a frown to Jesus. And so, but people really enjoyed listening to him and he was, he was amazing. Um, just a, a great person, but he had, um, when my mother was pregnant in the first trimester, they were called into her doctors and, he sat them down and he just said, listen, guys, I'm, I hate to say this to you, but you're going to have to start getting used to the idea. Um, Helen, you've contracted German measles. And because you have a developing um, fetus there and we're in the first trimester, the odds and the turnout that we've seen, it, it's your chances are very slim um, that this baby's going to be OK. So they said, you need to just go home and get your head around the idea that if the child survives at all, it's, it's things aren't going to be all right. So. They go home, and during the course of the pregnancy, my father has what he described as a celestial visit. Now, interesting from a man of a cloth, because it was not angelic. He did not say angels. It wasn't like the voice of God. He said two beings appeared in front of him. And not only did they say that his daughter was going to be okay? So this is like back in the late sixties, you know, we don't right. have around and no gender reveal going on. Yeah, and right. you know, They're like, your daughter's going to be okay. And she's going to come in with some really unusual abilities. So you can imagine like, he's like, oh, uh, first of all, what are you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, he's just blown away. So you can imagine they're kind of on tender hooks for the duration of the pregnancy. 
And other than the fact that I'm a, you know, total weirdo, um, <laughs> everything, everything came out just fine. Right. And so, um, Dad was uh, dad always called me promised when I was a child. So like if I was upset or down or, or whatever, he'd, you know, he'd always refer back to that visit and he would say, honey, the, those celestial beings came and, and you're promised. You don't ever need to worry. Everything is going to be okay. Wow. You're promised. And that's how I got the title of my very first book. And so you can imagine, um, there is no box. There's no box in the garage. There's no box in the attic. There's no box under the bed that they are going to fit me into it at this stage because Mm -hmm. they've already had this visit and now they're kind of hanging out waiting for the weirdness to begin because they've been told. And (laughs) you know, once the beings are like, Hey, this kid's going to be okay. And the kid was okay. Now they're kind of like waiting. And so it was about when I was around four, um, that we had what I call the kitchen table talk and you know my very best friend my my as with a lot of kids who adore their grandparents uh, my grandfather judge which was my mother's father he was dr garland clark he was for a surgeon from kentucky and he was just amazing and he was just he would talk to me about the most incredible stuff even when i was very small and he'd tell me about why i was here and things that i can remember so clearly and it was amazing and just he was awesome and so I would go, of course, and tell my parents, you know, judge said, da, 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 da. And, you know, I get, they'd look at each other. And finally, one day, my dad's like ready to crack. And so they sit down at the kitchen table and he says to me, like, I'm, you know, just a little bitty kid. And he says, sugar, do you know the difference between alive and dead? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I guess not. You know, what are we talking about here? And it turns out that my grandfather had been dead since I was one. So my parents are like collectively sitting there watching me talking about him and talking about stuff that there's absolutely no way I could know. And, you know, this is my mom's dad and she adored her father. And so she's like secretly, you know, she's the preacher's (laughs) wife, the wingman. And she's like secretly going, She's talking to the dead, you know, and, you know, my father's over here with, you know, this whole kind of persona and facade to keep, uh, in our community because he was quite well known and it was, we hid it behind, oh, we don't want anyone to take advantage of you or, or make things difficult for you. But I actually think he just didn't know how to digest it. Sure. Especially during that time. I mean, what you're talking about, what they're discussing especially being a man of faith is not necessarily as accepted as it would be if you had that conversation today. Right. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it was, um, it was interesting. So that was kind of like, that was, that was the lid coming off of Pandora's box right there because they'd been kind of waiting and yeah, they're like, okay, this is really peculiar. We'll keep an eye on this, this behavior, (laughs) you know, I'm sure they're, I would have been diagnosed with some kind of ism or itis if those things had been around back in those days, I'm sure. Right. But the reality of it is that I was saying stuff that there was genuinely no way I could have known. And that's what was validating that for them because I'm like four. Like, who, who am I trying to fool? You know, it's not, I was just like, oh, just sure. said that Mr. So and so did, you know, and sure. Yeah. So 
after that, what begins to happen is um, I start having these dreams and I would um, know things before they would happen. Um, I also became extremely adept at being able to toddle into the parents and go, hey, Mr. Jones is going to die next Tuesday, Um, which you can imagine is a little bizarre, especially when my dad's the one writing the eulogies. (laughs) Yeah. It's she's a witch. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it was interesting because while they made it safe to talk to them, what they did do because they didn't know how to deal with it is I never was allowed to tell my siblings. So you can imagine my siblings wrote, read this stuff for the first time in my first book in like 12 years ago. Um, so they're like, what, what? I don't remember that. I don't remember that. And my mom had to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That all happened. And, you know, it was just people do what they can with what, what tools they have at that time. And so I think for my dad, it was a big thing of, you know, he, he was a pillar of the community. He was very much so a Christian. He was very much though, um, unable to deny that this stuff was happening 24 seven in his face. And he had no explanation for it. So you know what? He did the best he could. And um, yeah, so it was kind of a weird um, growing up time because I had all this. It was like I was living in parallel realities. So I had loads of fun with my friends and doing things, um, doing things like that. But I would also prefer to spend my time around old people, which was my parents always thought was so peculiar. I would request to be taken to the nursing home. I would request to spend time with the old people in my church because I could see stuff and I was hearing stuff. And I was so fascinated with the fact that when the, when somebody was preparing to die, it's not like a dimmer switch was going down and their light was dimming. It looked like fireworks. So to a child, it was beautiful. So I didn't have the same kind of fear or reservation around death because I could see death. And death was around me all the time. And I wanted to be there. I wanted to, I wanted to be part of the process because I just thought it was so cool. And for me, it was like walking out of one room and into another. Yeah. Wow. That is so amazing. Well, two things. First of all, um, I totally commend you that you were, had the ability to keep a secret like that from your siblings because um, my wife has three sisters and they can't keep... A damn thing from each other, which is incredible to me. Um, but two, uh, let me ask you this. Did your father, the way that they had um, described the these two individuals that had visited him, uh-huh. um, did he go in any more in depth as to who he thought they were? Or have you found out since then with your abilities what they were? Yeah. So my, my full suspicion, I'd bet, I'd bet everything I have on it to be quite honest, because after having had my own death experience, um, so basically what I keep alluding to guys there, I'll, I'll just move into that now. Um, you know, I go through teenage years, I get to college and, you know, I'm like predicting scores to the basketball game and I'm, you know, you pop it in an envelope and you come back and crack open a beer and everybody's like, ha ha, that's so funny freak. Yeah. This is my extent you know, the extent of my service to humanity. And um, so what was waiting for me on the 14th of December in 1991 was the opportunity to completely change my trajectory. And I had left in my own soul's plan. I had left an open door that I would be very cliche. And I would say, 
if I made it to 21 and I had not discovered how to utilize these gifts that I had come in with, that I was going to have to do something to kick my own butt and get me onto a different path. And so I was having a good time and partying hard and I was having a, it was awesome. And the last thing I was doing was serving anybody else. (laughs) I, um, I was nice, you know, I was a really nice person and, you know, the odd occasional thing would pop up where I could, uh, assist somebody, but it's like a singer who sings in the car, but who has the voice of a, of an angel, a professional, and they never use that. Right. Um, Sure. You know, I was just singing in the car. That's all I was doing. So on December 14th, 1991, I just graduated from college. And in the South, when you're going out with someone those last you know, couple of years of college or whatever, um, your mom's like picking out the China. And yeah, so you're, right. gonna, you're expected to go to the hometown of the guy you're dating or the girl you're dating or whoever it is. And yeah. And so off I go to Charleston, South Carolina, which was amazing, you know, an um, incredible city. Um, absolutely loved it. And I arrive in with my, my two degrees in communications and graphic design and I'm mopping floors in a sign company. Cause I literally, that was hello, real world. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. Hey, nice, nice degree. You have no experience. Bye-bye. So, <laughs> I was in this sign company called Sign It Quick, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because um, it was like I got gifted a second set of parents. So Frank and Teresa Acoin were the coolest people, but they really started shaping my mind as to the reality of what was outside of the way I'd been raised. And they were so wonderful. And best thing he ever did for me is he stuck a mop in my hand and he said, all right, kiddo, you're going to go places. You're going to learn how to work from the bottom up. And so he said, yes. I'm going to let you mop after I've let you clean, clean up all the scraps off the floor. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I'm doing it. It's like a little Cinderella story. I'm like, right. I'm, happy. I'm happy wherever I am, to be honest. Um, so I'm in there and I'm doing that and I have my, my, my sweetheart and life is kind of tripping along. And so we have our Christmas party at the sign company. And so um, my boyfriend, he had to work and I was going to go on my own. And so I leave my apartment and I head towards highway 17 in Charleston, which is a major highway. And I get to a stoplight and I'm sitting there and I'm there for about the full duration, you know, like a minute or whatever, the full duration of the red light. And my light turns green and I start making my way across the lanes of traffic because I'm going to be taking a turn in towards town. Gotcha. So I have to come go across the oncoming traffic. Well, I get across the first couple of lanes and then I look. And there is a guy coming at me that the police estimate was going 75 miles an hour. Um, He was an elderly gentleman who um, had hit a couple earlier in the year. He was meant to have lost his license, and I'm glad he didn't. Or you and I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. Yeah, right. um, Yeah, so anyway, I'm literally sitting at the, the metaphorical and metaphysical crossroads of my life at this traffic light. And I get across, and my whole world changes just like this. Because everything comes down to a snail's pace. It just grinds to a halt. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. <laughs> Do you know? Right. And this car is coming at me, and I'm fully aware that I am getting ready to die. And as with my hand on my heart, I was so 
totally okay with that. Because in that moment, when you reach, when you reach checkout time, right, everything changes. And this, this is for everybody. Everything changes. And I'm like, ah, here I am. Well, that was fun. All right. How do you want to do this? So I'm consciously aware that it's now my choice to go, all right, sometimes it behooves us to stay in the body for whatever the soul needs to glean from the death process. And I'm like, do I need to stay in for this? That car is going really fast. That is going to hurt. It's going to be a bit, you know, hopefully an instantaneous death. Um, but I was like, eh, I've done this before. I really don't need to do this part again. And I felt this overwhelming sense of I had done this so many times before that I didn't have anything to benefit for staying in the body. So the sure. second I make sure. second I make the choice, whoosh, I'm out, right? And so what was crazy about this is that there's this sound. Um, I play music here in Ireland. I love trad music, um, the traditional Irish music. And so I play the drum, the round, the baron. And I'm sure you came across it in your travels here in a, a yep. good trad session. That's my yep. instrument of choice. And um, But my favorite instrument is the Ilian pipes. And Ilian in Irish means elbow. And so it's a, a set of pipes that look like a bagpipes, except for the pipe is under the arm. That's how they fill the air there. And it makes this incredible wicked drone sound. And for me, that sound means you're getting ready to get into a really great session. You know, the pints are flowing. People are laughing. People are singing. It's just, it's, it's a sound I equate with a really, really great time. And so I'm making this decision. I've let, I'm leaving my body. And next thing I hear this sound. And that's the best sound that I can describe is that sound of the drone of the Ilian pipes. And so next thing I know, I am literally watching my accident take place. So this is so strange. It's not like I get, I, I get hit and then I'm dead and then I pop out. I popped out before I got hit. And this Whoa. is so important for people, anyone who's lost anybody in any way out there. It is so important to know that the soul is 100% in charge at the time of death. Regardless of what you think you're seeing, where you're seeing somebody struggle or they're, you know, they're suffering, um, or if it's something tragic like a murder, they are in control. Please remember that. You know, wow. it's, it's wow. really, really important. And so I'm there. And next thing, everything speeds back up. And I watch myself get hit. So the car goes, folds in half like it, it T-boned me. My head goes through the driver's side window. And this is when my neck broke. And I'm just watching. And, you know, like all that was missing was like the, the drink and a box of popcorn. And I'm just like watching this whole thing happen. But what's so interesting is it's like with this detached interest. It was interesting. I was observing my own death. and so. The best way, and I've said it a thousand times if I've said it once to people, the best way to describe what that actually feels like is um, if you were outside working and it was really hot and, you know, you're mowing the lawn or you're planting flowers or you're doing whatever and you're really sweaty and nasty and you come in the back door and you peel off the clothes that you've had on throw them down next to the washing machine. And then you go have this amazing shower. It's a cool shower. You're wiping off all the muck and the grime. And it's amazing. The very last thing that you're thinking about 
is the clothes next to the washing machine. So when people are like, oh my God, you're only 21. Or, you know, I was like, that was awesome. Do you know, that was great. Um, but I wasn't like pining away or going, I'm too young. Take me back. You know, my, uh, there's so much more to do. It was, it wasn't like that. I literally was just watching my own death. And so I got this really unique perspective because I got to see from that bird's eye perspective that a couple of cars behind me was my friend, Mim, who had been my sweet mate in college. Now, where we went to college was like four hours from there. She just happened to be from Charleston. And why she was at that stoplight on that day, we still laugh about. And I saw her see me and recognize that that was me and that was my car. And what was so bizarre was I wasn't feeling my own angst because I was angstless. I felt hers. I could feel the horror of the people around me seeing such a young body in that car, obviously dead. You know, the head's hanging over, the windows are blown out, and um, I could feel all of their feelings. And it was, it was, and I, you know, that's where you kind of want to go, guys. You've, you've all just forgotten. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm right here. Right. This this and other so- connection that you have to this world that most people can't see or feel or or, right. or tangible to them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and that that also that sudden realization that age or time means absolutely nothing, and how you know we've gotten into such a nasty habit here on this earth plane of of qualifying the validity of a life well lived by its quantity. Yes. And which yes. is crazy. I mean, it's crazy. So there I am and I'm watching this whole thing happen. And next I see this lady run up and stick her name and phone number through the passenger side window, which is gone. And to this day, again, like, okay, you know, like I'm dead. Sure. I'm like, dude, I'm dead. And you're going to throw your business card on the front seat. You know, like, like, it's probably Amway. But, um, right. (laughs) So she she must have witnessed, um, the accident and couldn't stay for whatever the reason. So anyway, she puts that in. So I see this happen. And then I see a guy in uniform come in and reach through the passenger side and turn off the ignition and, you know, so that the car wouldn't blow. And that was the last thing that I remember seeing because all of a sudden that low drone, that sound that I've been hearing starts speeding up. And so it is the most incredible orchestration of frequencies and sounds and light. And it was so incredible. And I felt like it was me. So what was so strange was while I could see my physical body down on the ground dead, I still felt like I had a form. I felt like I had some kind of structure, although it wasn't a body. And so as that music was playing, I could feel it like it was part of me. So it was like the very cells of the frequency of light of whatever I was. It was like they were speeding up and singing and making these sounds. And boom. I land in another place. So there was no tunnel of light for me. That was my tunnel. Um, You know, one second I'm watching the accident. Next second I'm in a completely different space. And so. Wow. Yeah. So we had um, a few weeks ago, 
a guest on our show, and I two things for you. Uh, Nathaniel Gillis, who's a demonologist, and he had told a story that uh, it had actually nothing to do specifically with with possessions and, and the field that he was in, but he had told a story about an elderly woman that he had worked with. Um, he was before he was doing what he was doing, he was selling lawn care and they were having this conversation. And she had told him this story that, um, years back he, uh, she had, um, had a, an, an NDE to where she, um, was in a car accident and she was much younger at the time, of course. And, um, she went to this place and she saw her, her father who had passed on before, um, this mm-hmm. incident, and um, she said, just the feeling and the senses and the and the and the energy that I had that she had felt when she was there is nothing that she had ever experienced before. Things that we couldn't even imagine that would feel and and sound and and we would see. And uh, her father had said to her, "He's like, hey, what are you doing here? So here, being in a a, a place of some sort." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they had a conversation where it's not, he said, it's not your time. So it, it identified that everybody has this uh, expiration date at some point and whatever that may be. Um, but uh, she had said, um, you know, it, he said, it's not your time. And she was like, well, dad, I don't, I don't want to go back. Like here just automatically feels because of everything. She's having this conversation with her father who's passed on and they're experiencing these feelings. And he said, um, we have to go back because your boys need you. And then she goes on to tell Nathaniel that she said, I didn't have my twins for 10 years after that experience. And I, we, we just all pale in the face. You know, I'm over here like trying not to vomit in the trash can because this is some of the wildest stuff we had heard. And, and, and my question for you is with this, would you call it an out of body experience that, that you're, that's happening to you at, at this moment um and and you say you were dead you did you flatline you were oh yeah i, was, I broke my neck in three places <laughs> I was, yeah i was gone yeah. doornail dead yeah. as we so, say here in ireland brown bread <laughs> brown bread yeah uh there's a um a buddy of ours in the conspiracy world uh, his his podcast is very well known um um in Ireland he's probably i think he's the number one podcast in Ireland or he might be the top 10 um Gordon Roxford from those conspiracy guys but he said it numerous times he says what's the crack and he's brown bread man and i'm like i don't know what that means and i had to look at <laughs> what does yeah. brown bread mean i like wheat bread that's fantastic um so so you have you you have this i don't you can't even call it a near death experience you could just call it a you were dead and you oh, experienced that experience. yeah not yeah. near death dead i yeah. um uh, i uh in 2016 uh i was in a motorcycle accident uh i broke every bone in my face i think it was both orbital bones my nose and my top mandible um, I kind of went, I went face first into this woman who pulled in front of me. I, uh, I went face first into her quarter panel. Uh, and I thought I was going to go over her vehicle, um, because she hit, I hit and I thought I would just gonna, I would go over and fly over and slide. And this would suck. Um, nope, broke it, broke the fall with my face. Um, wow. and it was so, it was so interesting because you had, you're describing your, 
uh, accident, and it's it's I can remember everything about that day, but from the time that I hit to the time that I woke up in uh, the the ER is all gone. Um, so I don't know if I could call my accident a near death experience because I don't know if my life was ever in jeopardy. They never said anything about it. Um, what was kind of odd about that was that like neck down, nothing, no scratches, no bruises, no road rash, no nothing, uh, just Mm -hmm. face broken. But, uh, I I always kind of wondered like why I didn't have a, a, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel or nobody visited me. And maybe it's because I wasn't close at all to that, that realm because my injuries or, there, I, or there's that period between that you can't remember where also, yes. later on yes, that was, memory that will curl your nose hairs. Yes. And that was my yeah. next question for you is that could it have that's, just been this? I would be more likely to believe. <sighs> okay. <sighs> my yeah. goodness. So uh, back to your accident, your not near death experience, death so experience. Freshly dead. Yeah, and, freshly um, dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, body's still warm. Uh, body's still warm. And uh, yeah, so now I've just gone from this face to this face. And this was what was incredible because there has never, ever been color like this. We don't even have the spectrum here in this world. Um, there, You know, you sound like an idiot when you're trying to describe it like it's like no really fine and you were there and you were there and the colors were beautiful it sounds so trite but it really was like there are colors that I couldn't even name for you because it's like they they the color had smell the color had sound the color I could taste there you know yet I have no tongue it's like having this ultimate synesthesia experience where you're just all of the possibilities of the expression of another piece of energy. Like smoking oh. DMT. Uh, totally. That's exactly, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that world. Um, so uh, not that I know, but I've been told. No, Anywho. Hey, no judge here. No judgment here. I, I walk around. I walk around in that kind of world. <laughs> like, right. I don't have to get that high. I, I'm already there, baby. Imagine if I did drugs. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it's like me at a concert. Like, dude, you know, because I can see so much stuff. And, you know, I can also see entity attachments. And I can, I'm like, and they're like, hey, here. And I'm like, uh, no, thanks. Because the horror show that I'm watching right now is just fine. Thank you. Yeah, yeah right. So it's, it's interesting being able to see all these little different realms. But anyway, so I'm in this space and I'm like, this is like the shower. That shower, um, you know, where the clothes are down on the floor and you're not thinking about them. And you're just in that space and you're just like, this is, oh God, oh yeah. There's a lot of oh yeah's happening. Oh, oh, uh-huh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my God, I remember this now. And how long I was doing that or in that space or remembering or reconnecting with what I actually am, I couldn't tell you. Um, I mean, like clinically dead, the whole from start to finish, probably about, you know, that whole in and out of college, 15 minutes in that time. No idea. So uh, long enough to remember a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't forget coming back in, which I'm very grateful for. Um But while I'm in that space, all of a sudden the air, the atmosphere in front of me starts taking shape and I'm like watching and the closest color that I could give to you would be like this rich caramel 
and with like kind of a, a pearly opulent sheen to it. It was magnificent. And it starts taking form and two beings step forward. And I go, I'm su- I should know you. I'm supposed to know you. And all of a sudden, it, and they waited patiently. And they didn't say a word. They didn't think a word or whatever we were doing. They just let me wait and realize for myself. And all of a sudden, I remembered, oh, my God, these are my guardians. We all, oh, we have guardians. You know, we actually are never, ever alone. So to go back to the question you asked me earlier about what I think appeared to my father, I don't know, were they mine or were they his? Because we Mm -hmm. all have them. And that's what's really important as well. You know, for people, especially people who are dealing with um, such despair and depression and what, you know, lack of mental clarity of, of any, any sense of hope, um, always remember you are never, ever alone. And even if you feel like you are at the bottom of the barrel, there is always someone there gently whispering into your ear and reminding you of why you chose exactly where you are. And yeah, it's, it's incredible. You know, that idea of the fact that you literally never take a step or a breath in this life without their guidance. And that just, I was just like, woo, you know, like, remember, (laughs) yes, yeah. oh my God, this is amazing. And so we had our lovely homecoming, our reunion. And then this is my favorite part of the whole experience, because this is where I like watching my face when it just gets blown away, you know, because not an awful lot these days, people will say like, you know, my husband was spitting green pea soup and had an entity. And I'm like, Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, like my my kids say that I'm kind of freakishly non-reactive to really weird stuff, you know. Right, right. I'll get really ticked off if they leave their towel on the floor, but like if somebody's <laughs> you know, there's a demon in the upstairs left bedroom and I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go see that. Yeah, and, let's go talk uh, to him. Let's go have a chat. <laughs> we'll pick up your fucking laundry, <laughs> swear to God. Laundry. <laughs> but um you know, so I am looking around in this beautiful space with these cheerleaders, these spiritual beings that are mine. They're there with me. And all of a sudden I'm looking around and it's like being in one of those IMAX 3D or 360 cinemas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And whatever I am in that moment, whatever expression of energy I am, I'm looking around and all of a sudden I'm going, Oh, I'm getting lost at Virginia Beach over there at five. Uh, I'm playing P.T. Barnum in the school play at 12. I'm 17 and I'm drinking too much and getting raped over here. Oh, I'm 19 over here and I just got it. I just got the appointment to the TV station that I wanted to work at. And oh, I'm 11 years old here. My parents have just told me that I'm going to get my very first English bulldog and I'm so excited. And nope, I'm over. This is all happening simultaneously. So you're seeing your whole life. Not chronologically, simultaneously. Wow. And I'm now remembering in this moment, oh, my God, this is how time works. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh God, that's right. We do that 
stupid clock thing, that chronological time marching forward thing when we're in on Earth. Oh, that's right. That's how we're in all places at once. God, that never that never used to make sense to me. How could how could God and the supreme being know everything happening all at once? Because we're fractals of the same whole that have shattered into billions of pieces and are witnessing and viewing all elements of the world simultaneously. So it's yes. a hard one for some people to swallow. Um, so I, and in I would that moment, that. it made so much sense. Yeah, I, I would equate that yeah, to um, if anybody has ever watched the movie Donnie Darko, which, first of all, cult classic, love it. I had to watch it like six times to in a row to figure out, I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch just now? There's a, a particular <laughs> scene in that movie when he's talking to one of his high school teachers and they're talking about time travel and all these things uh, as far as the connection between this world and, and what's after this world or what's around this world at all times. And Donnie had posed this question. He said, this can be done only if you travel in God's time. Like This is only, this is only achievable in his timeline. And right. the teacher kind of goes on to say, well, I can't have that conversation to you because I could lose my job or whatever. But, um, knowing what so so as you describe this that's like the image that pops into my head of you're in god's timeline right now that's right. the only way you could be seeing what you're seeing simultaneously being omnipresent almost throughout your entire life that was and it's not a line at all it's a set of concentric circles who knew yeah you know? <laughs> yeah exactly so, like, i am having this oh because you know those questions that eat away at you when you're a 12 year old and you're laying in bed at night and can't go to sleep and you're wondering, contemplating your navel and, and you know, all the mysteries of the universe and that whole thing. And it used to drive me nuts. And I just remember the moment so well that so well that I can actually feel my, like my, I can feel myself flushing, getting hot, uh, like getting so excited as I think about it because I'm able to connect back in with that feeling that moment of remembering that changed everything. I'm like, dude, you know what? All right, bring on your pandemic, whatever you got, go on, <laughs> whatever. You know, like I've had it. The doctor, the doctor was like, Oh my God, I hate to tell you this, but you know, you've got a brain tumor that we need to work on. I'm like, I'll have it gone in a month. Bring it on. Do you know? And yeah. I'm just like, it just, everything changed in that moment because I remembered that. And I was like, put me back in coach, but I want to go back in remembering this because I know it's part of the veil of forgetfulness and blah, blah. And I'm saying to my guardian beings there, I'm going back, I'm going back, you know? And they're like, if you choose to go back, if you choose to go back with that knowledge, there is a responsibility that goes with that. And I'm like, okay. so you're going to be, we're raising the bar. You know, the life that you had set out for yourself and the mission that you wanted to accomplish, you're on it. You've, re you've returned to the path. But if you're going to do this and you want to return with that memory, then you got to work. And I'm like, I'm good. Let me do it. That and is so, so I interesting. I was able to retain the memory. So, like, I get so excited. Oh, my God, guys. You know? Yeah. Like, it's all happening at once. Because then what's happening? What does that mean? What are the implications of that? It means nothing can harm who you really are. Nothing. Your physical wow. body, your physical body can die. And, you know, all of the emotional trauma and we love all the triggers and the PTSD and all the, uh, you know, all the stuff that's going on out there. And I'm like, it's right here. 
So what that means is that you don't have to recover and do years and years of therapy and all of the stuff that it takes to get out of that. It means it's happening over here at the same time that your recovery and wellness and understanding of why that happened is happening. They're simultaneous. So it's not like we're moving down this line of progression to your healing. It means you can do it instantaneously, which is why people come in here and they're like, I've got cancer. And I'm like, are you done with why you have cancer or do we still have something we need to learn? So as a healer, you don't go in, you're healed, you know, yeah. and then leave them with no knowledge of why it came in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Do you know, they've got to be at a place where they understand exactly how and why they called the illness into their, into their lives. And I know there's some eyebrows raised right now. So let me clarify that. The human body works for us. This is my bitch, right? (laughs) My spirit is occupying this vehicle. And this vehicle is so perfectly designed to respond to my needs. Meaning that I've got the best bullshit meter on the planet going on in my energy field here. And so do you. So that if I get off path, if I get off target of what my soul came in here to attempt to accomplish, my body will get sick. My emotional state will deteriorate. There's a a list a mile long of things that my body will do in order to go, you know, hey, pay attention to get me back in line again. And I'm like, how incredible is that? Sickness isn't the enemy, man. I love a good sickness. Because every I get so busy sometimes that I and I'm going and the only time that I'll stop and listen is because I've gotten a pneumonia or I got COVID or I got what you know whatever it is and that's right. how the human form is designed because isn't it very bizarre, bizarre with all the infectious things that we have floating around in the air right now that this person could get it and this person could get it and if it's so deadly then both should be dead mm-hmm. it's all about how the individual is going to utilize that why does one person smoke for 10 years and gets lung cancer and the old lady can be lighting her 100th birthday candle and light the cigarette off of that why right. is that there right. are no absolutes when it comes to that it's about what is your body here to do how is it in service to you how can it help you accomplish everything that you came here to learn yeah that's so that's so interesting that's so interesting and and i've 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 had this conversation numerous times oh we've had it on the show and i've told my wife uh because she always asked me you know like she's like well how do you just avoid you like you're never stressed about anything and i was like well one i don't care about stuff and and that sounds so morbid when i say it like that and I, i don't mean it that way but uh, as far as like getting wrapped up in, in you know drama or or being triggered by this or that, I'm just like I'm don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah, yawn. But um, I haven't been sick in like two years now, not even a cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I started doing research on germ theory, I I myself had my I'd rationalized my my own research on it and said that I I no longer subscribe to the idea. Um, and ever since that, like I've had this level of confidence about uh, the food that I eat, the exercise that I do, the way that I feel about my body. That me personally, and I think this kind of goes along with what you have said there. That with COVID, I'm I got my own opinions about it, but. Um, I think that I'm less susceptible to being sick right now because of how I feel about sicknesses. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not worried about that shit. That, that, so it just doesn't bother me. 
Mindset is everything, you know, but it's also being willing that if it does come in and if your system maybe isn't quite up to scratch, that if you do get it, that you recognize that you're in, you're in control about how it plays out. You know, people think I'm nuts and I love it. The more nuts they think I am, the happier I am. But <laughs> I, one of my best friends in the world, Angelica, lives in Los Angeles and she comes over here and hangs out and I go over there and hang out when I work in LA. And um, I called her up in March and I said, Hey, I've got this new audio book that I'm recording and I've got to come out and do that. I said, how does this sound to you? Let me know. And if you're not okay with it, that's okay. You know, cause this is in the early days in March and like, we're now hearing about COVID and it's, you know, the, the fire is starting to crackle and burn. Right. And so I'm like, I'm going to come over, but I plan on picking this up on the way. Are you okay with that? Because I know there's a lot of fear around it and there's a lot of stuff. And she goes, yeah, yeah, that's all right. She goes, I'm going to tell you now that I'm not going to get it. And I said, that's fine. Um, but she's a bioresonance practitioner and has this incredible machinery that bounces like 60,000 different frequencies through the body. And I knew what the story was, but I was like, let's break this thing down because we're going to write a book about it. Let's, let's break this thing down, deconstruct it, see what it's made of, see what's going on. And let's see if we can help alleviate some of the fear that's being, you know, sure, pushed sure. the agenda. And she's like, yeah, okay, come on. So I get there on the 12th of March, on the 13th of March, I'm already, I wake up with all the symptoms. And by the time Tuesday came around and I went to the hospital and I only went to the hospital because I wanted to see what it was like in there. Um, and because they were trying to count people and I just wanted to be part of the process. You know, I get there, it's like zombie apocalypse and people are in the hazmat suits and like, right. it was crazy. And I go in, and by this time, I have no taste or smell. That's not even something they know about at this stage, because this is early March. And I have the bat pox, I called it. You know, I have this rash all over me. And they're like, no, we don't think a rash is part of it, which it did end up, you know, being part of it down the road. And so I go into the hospital, and I have this incredible experience with a doctor who comes in straight out of a board meeting. And he's like, uh, Dr. Hensley, I regret to, to inform you that, you know, I can't treat you today because you're under 70. And he was furious. I said, why? What's going on? And he goes, well, I've just come out of a board meeting. And they said that we're only allowed to take someone 70 and under if they are in acute respiratory distress. And I went, huh. Huh. And I, I said, how do you feel about that? Right. Like I'm like fevery and nasty over here. And I was like, I see what's going on. He was white knuckled. He was trying very hard to keep, keep himself together, which he ended up cracking in the end. Cause I have that effect on people. But, um, he's like, well, you're only worth 13,000 to the hospital. I said, what? And this is a major hospital in L.A., right? And he said, yes. And he said, we have also been told that we have to take everyone 70 and above. And if humanly possible, get them onto a, a ventilator. And oh, went, my God. Can you tell me uh, why? And he's like, because they're worth 39000 and the ventilator is another fifty-two. And I went. A I ventilator said, costs more than the life? The 52000 was what the hospital gets per patient put on ventilator by Medicaid, right? So I'm just sitting here going, uh-huh. There's uh -huh. your conspiracy. He's getting so angry, right? And I'm like pushing him, you know, like I'm the sick one over here in the corner. And he's like, you know, you're going to be fine, right? And I said, oh, I totally know I'm going to be fine. I said, because I've already worked out 
that this is all about acidity and alkalinity. I totally, I got this. I see what's going on here. And I said, the people that aren't going to fare well and the people who, with this mucus thing, I said, I pushed mine up. I don't want it down here. I don't need it down here. And I said, I wanted to be sick enough, though, to to be able to extract as much wisdom from this as humanly possible. And so he's getting more pissed off by the second as he's talking about this. He ends up walking out of the hospital. He left, right? Because I just said to him, I said, you, you do know that's the murder you're being asked to commit, right? And he's no like, shit. I know. No yeah. shit. And I'm like, and it's gone. He, when we were leaving, he was, in the, he was leaving. You know? Wow. It was incredible. So wow. here's me now from then on. I'm like on Facebook Live every day. Okay, I'm still here. I'm yeah. really sick to get a 104 temperature and this is what it looks like. But now I've just applied 200 milligrams of zinc and I'm drinking a glass of tonic water to activate the, the cell permeability. And okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And so yeah. every single day for five weeks, quite I'm doing these lies. It was, yeah, totally. And so... You know, and and also there, everyone who doesn't fare well is vitamin D deficient. Every uh-huh. single one of them, you yeah. know. So I'm like, that's all this is. And so I'm like on there telling people as I'm going through the five week process. You know, I can't smell anything, but that's okay because you all stink anyway. And, and, you know, just having fun with it and all, but just going like, look, guys, there are there is a physical component to this, a spiritual and an emotional component. And it's affecting each one of us differently because I'm sitting here going through the physical part. Some of you at home build birdhouses because it's your life's passion and you've never had the time to do it. And you're over here cleaning out your garage. And this guy just cleaned out 10,000 emails that he hasn't had time to do. And each one of us is going, you know, or living at home and going, you know what? I don't think I like my husband anymore. Um, Or everything was this opportunity to go through and clean house because what was so freaky was... Over the course of the five weeks, every ailment, and I'm 51, every ailment I have had in my 51 years made a visit. Every single one of them. It might have been for four hours. It could have been for two days. But my body, whatever COVID was allowing it to do by raising my temperature and sustaining it that way, I got to go in and actually clean out the stuff that they say, oh, well, you know, there's certain viruses that lay dormant in your body. You know, like when I had myeloencephalitis and they're like, you know, or, or if you had chicken pox and the herpes virus is dormant in your nerve roots, you know, in 04 and 05. And, and I'm, I'm like, this thing is burning that stuff out. So I come out of it like a superhuman, do you know? All of a sudden I had like twice the hair that I've ever had, right? And I was super smell, super taste, um, Mm -hmm. the energy level that I had. And, you know, I ended up like to celebrate, I drove across America and did Route 66 and climbed every mountain. and, and And I was like full of energy. And like still to this day, I'm just like, I'm really, really good. And yeah. so it's yeah. it's what you make of it because it, it we went from a three-dimensional world and anyone who says they can look outside and thinks that, that we're still living in the same world we were last you know this time last year no we went from 3D blew straight on past 4D and are now living in a 5D experience and that fifth dimension is the element of choice that mm-hmm. we are recognizing right now that we actually are driving the bus that we've got the choice to do this or to do this, and we can't do this anymore, 
it's right here and it's right in front of us. And boy, the miracles that you can create in your own life if you get your head around this idea. There is there your is, there's your red there's pill your or your blue pill. You got it. And, and welcome to the Nebuchadnezzar. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, one thing that I wanted to mention, too. Um, about what you're talking about, how uh-huh. it's it's all of your mentality of 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 these situations that you are uh, un unwillingly and willingly put into at times. So with my accident, um, so I have four plates, thirty screws in my face. For the operation, I was trached, not because that my I had any trauma to my breathing way, but he's like, I got to open up your face, so we got to put um, a tube in your throat. We can't put it down your, or we can't put a tube down your throat because I have to go in through your mouth and do all this stuff. So we got to mm-hmm. trach you. So okay. So I was in after the surgery. I was in the hospital for a week. Came out of the hospital for a week. Developed an infection due to the incision in my nose, had to go back for a week. The doctor says, I got to put you on an IV of antibiotics because if you develop sepsis, I have to pull all those plates out. And I'm like, I'm driving. Where are we going? Um, so I I, I go back to the hospital. So, so I'm a week in, a week out, a week back in. Now, I'm an electrician by trade, and I absolutely love working with my hand. I got that gene handed down to me from my father, who's not an electrician, but he is a renaissance. This guy, tile, concrete, drywall, paint, framing, roof, electrical, whatever, you need, he can do it all. And he he's done construction his whole life. And so it's so, it's so odd that... Uh, when I was 18, 19, 20, I hated, I fucking hated manual labor, working with my hands. Don't, don't sign me up. I'm not about it. And then I hit about 24 and it just kicked in. Um, and I love working with my hands. And uh, the, the objective of, 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 of this is to, the show is to have these amazing conversation and open people's minds and, 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 and get these messages out there and to do this full time, not to say that I don't love what I do now being an electrician, but, um, the, the, your your mental process, and because I'm not a lazy person, and so with my accident, when I went back from the second week that I was out of the hospital, um, I was only out of work for two months, so I had went uh, about a month or so to my next checkup. The doctor's checking the incisions and everything, and he said, "Oh my god!" And I was like, oh, "Fucking what now?" And he was like, "No, no, no." This is good. I've never seen anybody heal as fast as you've healed. And I'm not saying like I'm not tooting a horn. I'm not saying I have a special ability. It was my pure motivation to not sit on my couch. Because at the time I was on disability, right? And, you know, I was, I was, geez, 26, 27, you know, single, not married, living on my own. I, I can only sit there and watch TV and play video games and, 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 for so long. And I was I, I want to go back to work. I don't want to be this type of person. I want to go back to work. And mm-hmm. I fully believe it was my mentality that my body attached to and said, okay, this intrinsic ability that you're, that you have right now of wanting to be healthy, we're going to kick it into overdrive. And I think it's, 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 it's how you look at all these situations and what you're talking about right now is so incredible because your mentality of your everyday life, you know, everybody uh, always walks in, you know, on the job side or, or whatever job you're doing, right? 
Monday morning. Oh, it's fucking Monday. I'm like, don't look at Monday like that. It's just another day of the week, and you're getting paid for being here. You can make it how you want to make it. And I think that these, the way, the way you know, with everything that's going on in the world right now, the way that the people talk about everything, doom and gloom and stuff, you got to get away from that stuff. You have to. My wife and I haven't watched like television programming in years, and I think mentally we're healthy for it. Um, we personally go to church ourselves, not that anybody has to or needs to. That's just our thing. But on the other spectrum, it's it's I we also have our own vices, right? So uh, I chew tobacco all the time. My wife hates it. hates it also because she used to work in the dental industry and then i go to the dentist um because an an aspect of my the accident that i was in i had cracked a molar in half and they had did a root canal and put a crown on it well the crown was bad that they had put on it originally so when you talk about la my wife and i are originally from california she was born and raised in san diego i i lived for half my life in the inland empire until we had moved to Kansas. I just couldn't do California anymore. Anyways, we I get the crown replaced. The doctor looks at my mouth, looks at my gums, looks at everything, and he goes, I didn't even know you chewed. Couldn't tell. I mean, granted, I, I brush and floss my teeth, but it's about what you're talking about. The, the, I, I've, I believe, and my mother's talked to me about this so many times, that there is just some people that get certain ailments, and there's some people that just won't ever. Doesn't matter. You know, and I love the fact I love seeing an old person smoke because at this stage they're like, "Fuck it, why would I quit?" <laughs> what? Yeah, <exactly. laughs> why? Why? Why would I do that? Yeah, that's yeah. so amazing. So, 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 doctor, f- fast forward from your near death experience to okay. So the doctors are probably shitting their pants because you're dead. And now you're not dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and to why you get into chiropractic, because uh, sidebar, myself and our, our two co-hosts that, that are not with us today, uh, we all practice jujitsu regularly. That's another kind of little 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 bit of the show. We, we talk about jujitsu. Um, it's so good mentally, physically. I encourage everybody to take some kind of martial arts at some point in their life just because it's so good for your body. It's also fucking terrible for your body and specifically jiu-jitsu because you basically get rolled into a ball. We call it um, the art of folding laundry with people still in it. And I have always been an advocate for chiropractic because we see a chiropractic out here, a chiropractor out here, um, who's a little bit more holistic medicine f- focused. Um, but even when we were in California, and I know a lot okay. of people like to throw a lot of bullshit at chiropractic. Oh, which doctors don't work. I heard a horror story. This guy got his, he, you know, his knee was out. They put his knee back in. He's paralyzed. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, listen, for every bad <laughs> chiropractor that's out there, there's also ultimately more bad doctors and bad dentists and bad car mechanics and bad, you know. So I don't think that's very fair. I am an advocate for chiropractic. I absolutely, love, absolutely love it. My wife, um, she is 24 weeks pregnant right now. We're expecting our first child. And. Yay! Yeah, we're so excited. And and she loves she loves going to the chiropractor. 
just uh because right. it's it's just so amazing i don't want to talk so much about it you are the expert in this so i how did you go from it's the basics. It's the basics. Yeah. Well, it was actually the dead grandfather who told me after the accident that I was going to be going back to school and I'd be going to chiropractic school. And I went, hell no. What? I just finished all of these years. And I'm like, hey, hang on a second. I've heard stuff about those guys. I'm like, you were a surgeon, a medical doctor. Nobody makes fun of you. Why would you put me into that? You know? And he was like... We need, and he always talked about we, I'm like he and his gang, spiritual gang, but we need you to learn a vitalistic approach to the human experience. And I'm like, oh, what? I didn't even know what it meant. And he said, allopathic medicine, while necessary and good in certain circumstances, is something that as you progress, you're going to see that people are going to use and abuse, that they're going to forget the inherent capabilities of healing that their bodies innately have. And what we need you to be able to speak is a language that understands the intricate, intricate um, interaction between the mind, the body and the spirit. And I'm like, Oh, is that all? Okay. You know, so I end up getting to chiropractic school and understanding how this all works and how this is why I'm saying that the, the body serves us. The body serves the spirit. It's not the other way around where we're, you know, human forms trying to seek this enlightenment and spiritual experience. We came from that. We already are that. Right. And so right. We're, we're, we're coming in from that space and we're attempting to have these human experiences because they allow us to know ourselves in different ways where we can be all things at once. And so chiropractic was something that was going to allow me to understand how the body would respond. And that, like that truth meter that we have when you're incongruent with, with the life path that you had set out for yourself, that the body will throw up a signal and go, Hey, 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 uh, uh-uh, that's not working. You know, that chronic headache you have, you know, that stress that you're in right now, that's because you're in a situation that you really don't need to be in right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. I, um, I, I'm so glad that we that my wife and I visit a chiropractor. As, again, um, jujitsu is something that we we love and is near and dear to our hearts on the show. And quick side note is uh, two years ago now or so um, was like probably like. You constantly get little minor injuries while while practicing this sport, right? And and the worst I've ever had is I dislocated a floating rib, which was terrible. Um, and the chiropractor that my wife and I were seeing, yeah, oh my god, um, that we were seeing in California before we moved. Uh, he had been in the practice for a long time, kind of an older guy, but he he didn't do the manual adjustment. He did the like the the table that bounces up and down. And he was extremely good with, uh, like I couldn't breathe. It was terrible. And when he set the rib and I was like, oh yeah, I dislocated a rib. He said, yeah, I know. I just said it. And I didn't know because again, this guy's a, I would call him a master of his craft and he had put it back into place. And I didn't, I didn't even know. Uh, I had at one point I had, I had, uh, dislocated a, a vertebrae in my neck and like, I was like this and I couldn't, I could barely move and, 
I was in a tremendous amount of pain and he, he set me and all this stuff and I was good to go. And, uh, he said, you know, I, I'm not against manual adjustment of anything like that, but it's like, I'm a little older guy. I've been doing this for a long time. It's a little easier on my body. It's easier on your body. Um, but the, it's so funny because when you talk about allopathic medicine, uh, if you know, if we didn't get into a conspiracy of the show, I think that's a conspiracy in and of itself with the medical industry and allopathic medicine. And we've had guests on the show that have talked about, hey, uh, I'm not saying that you... Before the New World Order shuts us down, yes. So uh, we lost the connection there for just a second. Before the New World Order shuts <laughs> um, <laughs> Talking about allopathic medicine and, and conspiracies, right? Like, um, And I can talk whiskey, we too. We had numerous guests on the show that had said, listen, we're not saying that, like, you know, if you have, you know, your leg cut off... That you shouldn't go to the hospital, right. but you probably shouldn't go to the doctor for most things, and you should really look at what your human, the human body right. is capable of. Um, and 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 so not to not to dwell on that subject so much, but um, do, do you think that that your accident and then the the uh, advice that was given to you by your 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 grandfather that you had went down this path of finding out the way that the body works as far as, you know, chiropractic mm-hmm. and, and spirituality and getting a little bit more disconnected from allopathic medicine. Oh, completely. It's like you're unlearning everything that you knew to be true. I mean, that's what happened to me when I died. Everything that I had learned within the confines of my parents' chosen religion. It's like the Matrix, baby. Yeah. I had to, you know, I was jumping into the, uh, into the Matrix and... So I had to unlearn, unlearn that. Like, yeah, you know what? If I get hit by a car tomorrow, um, I'm not, I'm not going straight to the chiropractor. Like if I'm bleeding and in need of stitches and emergency care, um, but for the day to day stuff and the, and how the human body functions, it was the most sensible route for me to go. And so I was also able to get in there, get my hands on people because as the gifts began to unfold, because I told you before, they said if I went back that they would be setting the bar higher and I'd be able to do some things that were different. So now I suddenly had the ability to like download somebody's hard drive. Again, with the New World Order trying to shut down this transmission, I'm tired of it. Wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the first time. time. So, Doctor, uh, you were saying that you had the... The ability to download somebody's somebody's stories, you know, and to bypass all the BS and and get into a space where somebody was in present time and there was a piece of them that was either in the future or in the past – drawing from them and not allowing them to be present because we can't be anything but focused, clear, and full of intent if we are in present time. The only way we can experience neurologically, physiologically, the only way you can travel down a neuropathway in that brain to get to the trauma of an event in the past, to get triggered, let's say, is if that neural pathway still exists. And so basically what I've been doing for my entire adult career is using frequency to go in and like blow up the highways. So rather than filling in the potholes and let's talk for the next seven to 10 years about your therapy and how you're going to get through, you know, I get it, but that's so 2D, do you know? We have the capacity to literally alter our state of being in present time, just like that. And so if you go through and you teach people how to utilize these frequencies and literally blow up the pathways, it, you're, you're keeping the wisdom. 
We want to retain the wisdom of the experience, but we don't want the energy leak or the trauma that comes from that experience. So if you get rid of the neural pathways that can carry you back to that past event or the pathways of of fear and anxiety that you've created about events in the future, if we just remove them from the equation and you have to build new bridges, little synapses in your brain of present time, who are you today? Forget about what happened to you when you were 12. Who are you today? What have you learned? How can you apply that to your traumas in present time? And if they can't be going off into all these different traumas of the past or, or fears of the future, they are forced to build these new new little highways in order to deal with life in current time. And we're literally able to create our own reality. Oh, it's that amazing. That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Um, let me ask you this, Doctor. But and, and because we're having some connection issues here, we'll we'll get towards the end of the show. And uh, gosh, we would l- love to have you back on with hopefully a oh, better please. connection and just continue it. this conversation. Um, and then I'm going to tell you all about my summer with whiskey, so that I can fulfill the magic prophecy here of the conspiracies and oh, whiskey and- without a doubt, yes, please what? do that because um. As luck would have it, Let I'm me, working uh, on a giant project that centers around whiskey right now. Wait, I'm sorry. Say that. Say that what? one more time. I said, as luck would have it, I am working on a big project that centers around whiskey right now. Oh my gosh! Don't talk dirty to me. Come on, doctor. What? I'm married. I'm a married man. Come on now. Um, I'm saying. I'm just saying. So. so <laughs> no, we would love to have you back on the show to get, get more in depth about this and talk about all these things because this has been a fantastic interview and and unfortunately just the connection is what it is. But, uh, Doctor, let me give you the floor for the next two minutes or so and, and tell us about some of the books that you have, some of the works that you have in the future. You said that you're recording an audio book. Is that out yet? Is it pre-ordered? And where can people find more of your yeah. work? Okay. Well, everything about me is on my website, which is maryhelenhensley.com. And um, yeah, that audio book should be out on Audible in a couple of days. So just keep checking in. But what's amazing about this is it's rare that you get to be the first at anything anymore. This is the first book in Audible history that all of the stories that I'm telling, these are some of my favorite healing sessions that I've facilitated. The crazier, the better, the wilder. I mean, we've got everything from from demons to alien beings to uh past life stuff i mean it's just i know (laughs) yes it's spiritual porn but um you know just (laughs) it's all there and t-shirt idea i I recorded the audiobook with all of these frequencies that i work with because as we have discovered every single thing and this was the big take from being dead Everything has a frequency and that is every human emotion. That is every physical organ. That's every emotional state, physical state, spiritual state. It all has a frequency. And so I've been honing these frequencies in with a a guru out in Los Angeles named Greg Papania for, for years now. And so we now have them where we can go, Hey, here you go. And people are now able to utilize this toolbox in order to help themselves heal, which is just, isn't that the end result of any healer? So 
these stories in this book called Understanding is the New Healing are backed by these frequencies. So I've actually altered the brainwave states and put in the appropriate frequencies behind the subject matter of the story. So that if you're listening to it and something has happened, you're having a completely immersive experience as as opposed to just an audio experience. Right. That is incredible. That is so incredible. And and that's not, you know... That's not hogwash. That's not witchcraft. That's not a conspiracy. There is so much research solidifying the, the, the idea of different frequencies. There's a frequency that, that heals you, calms you, um, that can sadden you, that can make you sick. There's, it's very well known out there. Absolutely. Very well known. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. And we also know that the human body is made up of over 70% water. And how many of us have seen the experiments where they, you know, you could actually use words and you can use frequency to actually change the structure of a water crystal. So if the human body is over 70% water, we can use frequency to actually alter the molecular state of the body and change anything, anything. Mm-hmm. So depending on what's mm-hmm. on the individual's path, obviously you can't bypass whatever their mission is. You know, just because I want you to be healed doesn't mean that you're going to be healed because what I want and what you're here to do might be two very different things. But we get very selfish sometimes when it's around other people's deaths and stories and, and we make it about ourselves. No, I don't want to live without you. Or, you know, how could you right. do this to me? Or how could you be so selfish? How could you do that? We have a list of stories, you know, and those are so about us. And that's not what, you know, everybody's living experience and everybody's dying experience is a very personal story. And then we, we cross paths along the way, but ultimately we've come in alone and we go out alone and we return back to the whole. So it's, it's actually really cool. But yeah, so that book, that audio book is up. um, It it should be up in like a couple of days. And then I have a new book that just came out last week. Um, I decided to delve into um, the preteen world because it's something I'd never done before. And there was a, a real hole that I saw in children's literature. And this was the world that we live in now is so different than the world when I was a child, even like boys wore boys wore blue and girls wore pink and boys wore football or, you know, they played football and girls were cheerleaders. And there was this real stereotypical delineation between gender identity. We have, we don't live in that world, but Children's literature doesn't reflect these beautiful creatures who have come into this world. Um, And some of us, you know, some of them to get us out, like we've got beautiful couples who are same sex couples who are adopting children that that heterosexual couples brought into the world but couldn't take care of. And I'm like, like, there's a million different scenarios. Absolutely. This gender identity thing that we have and the people who are, yes, but he's homophobic. And I'm like, for real? That's that's like saying, I was like, oh. I don't have time for it, but I was like, you know what? There's no children's literature like this. And I was like, well, I'm a writer. How about I go write it? So I just wrote the first book in a series called Hugh and the Manatee. And mm-hmm. it is for aimed at nine to 12. Um, but I think a whole lot of adults are going to be able to find themselves in there. And it's about a little boy who loves, um, he loves musical theater and he's a great swimmer. He's captain of his swim team. He's awesome. He has lots of friends, but he has a set of bullies because he likes to wear a tiara in, at playtime and he likes, he paints his toenails. And, um, the two girls who are his biggest bullies, they catch him with his shoes off and down by the springs and a magical manatee surrounds each of them with a bubble and takes them underwater because there are so many beautiful examples of aquatic creatures 
that are gender fluid, of species of fish that have survived millions of years because they're a- able to change identity. You know, the, ori- the, the sea snail is the original transgender, you know, five point something million years. It's been able to change its sex at will. The daddy seahorse carries the babies. Uh, that, like there's yeah. all sorts of beautiful examples that just blow that stereotype on land out of the water. And so I, as the manatee educates fully, yeah, I, I I believe there's numerous animals in the animal kingdom that are are Tons asexual. Yeah, Tons and I only them. know that from um I I now pronounce myself Chuck and Larry. That's the only reason I know that is the little girl at the end who who talks. But yeah, so that's the only reason I know. I'm not like some sophisticated researcher. I just that's clip of the movie. I got it. <laughs> well, it's funny. Because those those um, those land creatures are what are showing up in my next book. But I decided to I loved the play on Hugh and the manatee humanity. Um, and so, you know, I'm educating these kids through um, every time they learn a new lesson from the manatee. There's a sound in the bubble. And we're introducing the concept of being able to alter one state through frequency. And so the little girls describe it like warm honey pouring over their body, but they can't see or feel, you know, it's, it, they can't touch it. Sure. It's something they can right. only feel. And so rather than shaming or humiliating the bullies, we're educating them. And the best part is at the very end, you know, when Hugh is like, says to the manatee, you know, these, these girls have changed so much and now they're standing up for me. And, you know, I know there was the sound and that they were changed by that, but I don't understand what happened to me. And the manatee says, you, my little friend, allowed them to change. And that's the power of love. Mm. And so it's this incredible story that for kids that, you know, because they need to be able to see something other than the damsel in distress being rescued by the handsome prince. I mean, that's just that's not reality anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's that story's bullshit. Start to finish. Yeah, it's just old. And it's tired and, you know, it's reserved for Disney World. That's, that's because it's a fantasy. And so right. I just think that it was important to do this. So that just came out, Hugh and the Manatee, and that's on Amazon and everywhere. And, um, yeah, I got all sorts of projects, but everything that I do is up on the website. So it's MaryHelenHensley.com. And the frequencies, awesome. if you go under downloads, Larimar Dreams, that's the album, and that's literally all of the frequencies I use. And there's a, a written explanation of everything and how it's used. Um, yeah, so that's me. That is amazing. Doctor, uh, thank you so much for your time coming on the show. This has been an absolute mind-blowing interview. And, and again, we will schedule a future time for you to come back on the show and talk Love with it. us. Um, when, when we have uh, Kristen Boya. Uh, man, this, this is... Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> holy moly that's all i can say <laughs> yeah holy moly uh we're so excited to have you back on the show and, and you get the opportunity to talk with Kristen boy who brings so much more to the show and, and i bet you their minds when they listen to this they're going to be like i want to ask her this and i want to talk to her about that so it's going to be incredible um to everybody listening to to the show, thank you so much for for giving us your time and and, and your energy. And um, please go check out what doctors doing over there in the the, the land of our our, our forefathers over in Ireland. Um, she she's doing some <laughs> incredible work, and I'm so excited to read some of your work um, myself as well. And and doctor, um, again, thank you again for your time, and and we'll for for sure set up. A future date to have you back on with Absolutely hopefully a better connection it. if the new world order can fuck off and we can have an interview with you. So, 
thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Okay, so we'll talk to you in the future. So, all right, bye bye, doctor, and to all the hooligans out there. Yeah, thank you uh, to all the truth hooligans out there, man. That's it for this episode of Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracy. I have been Big Country, and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye bye. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Donald Trump Putin shit. I say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Has value. My balls are hot. My balls are hot. My balls are hot. My balls are hot.